Matthew f- uh, chapter 5, verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Chapter 18, verses 21 through 35, on page 695. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but seventy-seven times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him ten thousand talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. May God bless the reading of his word. The Sermon on the Mount, and we're coming back to... The beatitude, the blessing that we looked at last week. And it's an interesting blessing because in Matthew chapter five, it appears in the positive. But at the end of the Lord's prayer, it sort of appears in the negative. And so we have to take some time to go back and look at all that this particular blessing has to say to us. But look at it again. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Now, when you come to all of these Beatitudes, I've said several times and I'll continue to say again, they are blessings of the Lord that lead to character qualities in our heart that then leads to a reward that God gives to us. So here we see that the connection of the blessing of God is the connection between us receiving mercy and us passing on the mercy of God. So last week I had a few illustrations to show that. I hope you enjoyed, Timothy, your candy bar. And um, I hope that um, the foot massages that I gave out, I gave out a few more at the end of the service were also enjoyed as an example of passing on something that you didn't deserve to someone else who didn't deserve it. I think in this passage, you can think of it like Christian karma. Now, do you know what karma is? Ever heard that word karma? It's a Hindu word, and and it basically means that you get back what you give or what you do to someone else comes back uh, on you. And in Hinduism, it's a motivation for good works. But here, this is interesting because we are not merciful in order to receive God's mercy. I call it Christian karma because we're actually merciful because God has shown us mercy. 
But the problem with this, as we'll see from the second passage in Matthew 18, is that it works both ways. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And then in Matthew chapter 18, those who don't show mercy to others don't receive the mercy of the Lord. So this is a very interesting passage, and we're going to take take a look at it. Um, When we come to Matthew Chapter 18, we we realize that this whole idea of mercy is absolutely tied up with the idea of forgiveness. And in Matthew 18, mercy and forgiveness are basically the same thing. To receive God's mercy is to receive God's forgiveness. To To receive God's forgiveness carries with it an obligation to then pass on the forgiveness um, that God wants us to show others. <clears throat> so let's take a close look at this passage in Matthew chapter 18. Peter comes up to Jesus and he's got a question on his mind. And it's a question that a lot of you people and a lot of you brothers and sisters and a lot of you friends who came here today have on your mind as well. It's a question about forgiveness. And the question is this. Why is it so hard to forgive people? In my own personal Christian life, uh, I think it's one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. And when we see all that Peter and Jesus are going to show us in this passage, you're going to realize how hard it is. But you're going to realize something else about it as well, how possible it is through Jesus. But Peter comes up and he asks the Lord Jesus a question. And it's an honest question. He says, Lord, how often shall my brother sinned against me and I forgive him. What's the issue? Why is forgiveness so hard? Brothers and sisters, forgiveness is hard because there seems like a limit to what you can take from other people. So when Peter comes to Jesus to bring this question, he actually thinks he's pretty savvy now. He thinks, wow, you know, my brother sins against me. And how many times shall I forgive him once? Twice? No, he doesn't seize on once. He doesn't seize on twice. He goes to the perfect number seven and says, So, Lord Jesus, I forgive my brother when he sins against me seven times, right? Now, any of you who have ever taught understand the kind of student that Peter is. They come and they ask the teacher a question, but then they answer the question at the same time um, because they think that they know what you're thinking, but actually they don't have a clue what it is you're thinking. Any of you ever experienced that in the classroom? So... Peter is this impetuous disciple who speaks his mind, who thinks that he knows even better than the Lord Jesus. And so he says, seven times. Shall I forgive him seven times? Well, Jesus has a different answer. I like the New American Standard because it points out the contrast. Um, It's hard when a student says something. And it's wrong. Like when I ask a question and you'll see this when I ask you guys a question and people answer and it's not the right answer. I usually say something like, wow, uh, that's interesting. Or does anybody else have anything they'd like to share? In other words, I don't like hit it directly. and go Wrong. You know, we we've seen that um, with other people who will remain unnamed. Wrong. Um, But. Jesus had a little bit of that wrong in him in verse 22, when Jesus turns to Peter and says, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times. Now, 
I mentioned a moment ago that forgiveness is hard for me, and I'll explain why in a minute. But there's something else that this passage shows us, which is also hard, which is math. Um, And, you know, I can count to seven, but you have no idea how hard math was for me. The the only reason why I ever um, passed and got out of uh, Algebra 2. No, it wasn't Algebra 2. It was, yeah, it was Algebra 2. It was Mr. Osborne. The only reason why I ever passed that class was because on extra credit day, my mother baked brownies and he changed my F to a D. And that's why I stand before you today. <clears throat> but in this particular story that Jesus tells, it's all about the math, which is the second hardest thing for me in my life. Forgiveness and math. Now, When you read through this passage, it brings that math that we're not used to and words that you probably don't use in daily language. The first one is, um, well, I'm not going to deal with the first one. I'll deal with the second one. The second one is the word denarii. Um, Anybody know what that means? Don't look at your NIV study Bible notes. It's wrong. Uh, Okay, I'll explain that in a minute. But anybody know what a denarii is? Absolutely. It, it was a day's wage. And I'm, I'm very indebted um, to Philip Massey from Biola University to help me understand what the words like denarii and, and 10,000 talents mean in this passage. Because basically a denarii, he mentions in his article, is a day's wage. So anybody know what the minimum wage is in Massachusetts? $11 an hour, okay? So, a denarii is a day's wage. Um, a hundred denarii is about a hundred days' wage, which is approximately four months. Now, you're reaching the absolute ends of my math capabilities, but thank God for my um, little calculator on my phone as I figured this out. Um, four months of wages equals 100 days denarii, which at today's minimum wage in Massachusetts equals twelve thousand six hundred oops, twelve thousand six hundred and seventy two dollars, twelve thousand six hundred and seventy two dollars. OK, how much then is a talent? Well, a talent is six thousand denarii. Okay, so how long will that take you at minimum wage to earn in order to be able to have one talent, according to this passage? Well, if you do the math, you pull out your calculator, you'll realize that um, one one talent will take you an awful long time. Um, It'll take you 20 years of work to get one talent. Jesus in this passage doesn't talk about the man's debt as equaling one talent. He says, add 9,999 to that. You know how many years that takes in order to pay off at minimum wage in uh, Massachusetts? 200,000. 200,000 years of working in order to pay off the debt. You calculate that into today's, um, today's currency. You want to know how much it is? Seven point six billion dollars. And in order to pay that off, you would have to be number one hundred and forty nine on the Forbes list as of this morning, because I checked on the Internet. Um, Actually, Bill Gates earlier in July was worth 90 90 billion. He's sunk, people. It's down to eighty six billion. What's four billion amongst friends? But um, that's an awful lot of money. 
in order to have 10,000 talents. What does it mean? It means that if Bill Gates were the guy here, he would be able to forgive 11 people. He'd have enough money to do it. Brothers and sisters, what's the point? The point is, is that this man had an amazing debt, a debt he could not pay, a debt he did not pay, a debt that someone else paid for him. And we see that in the passage. So what happens is, is as Jesus tells the story, he says the kingdom of heavens like this king, the king comes, he tries to settle his debts. He's got the man, the slave who owes 10,000 talents. The man can't pay it. He gets down on his hands and knees and he begs and he says, forgive me, have mercy on me. And the king looks at him and says, yeah, I will. I'm going to have mercy on you. And so he has mercy on him. So then what, what does the slave do? He goes and, and he finds the people who owe him, who owe him money, a man who owns him 100 denarii, and he begins to choke him in verse 28. And he says, pay back what you owe. So his fellow slave fell down and began to entreat him, saying, have patience with me and I will repay you. He didn't say, no, I can't pay it. He said, have patience. How long do you have to be patient? Four months. And in four months, I'll pay this off. But the man had no patience. He was unwilling, but he went and threw him in prison until he should pay back what was owed. So when his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were deeply grieved and came and reported to their Lord all that had happened. Then summoning him, his Lord said to him, you wicked slave, I forgave you all the debt because you entreated me. Should you not also have had mercy on your fellow slave, even as I had mercy on you? And his Lord moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that was owed him. What's the punchline? Verse 35. So shall my heavenly father also do to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. Why is forgiveness hard? We see in this passage forgiveness is hard because often the person who sinned against you is your brother. They should know better. And I think the hardest thing I've ever experienced in ministry is the sins of other Christians, especially the other the sins of other Christian leaders against me. You play them over and over in your mind and you say this to yourself. How could he do that? How could she do that? How could this person do that? They're a Christian and you felt it. It's one thing to forgive a non-Christian because they don't know any better sometimes. Sometimes they know a lot better. But I'm saying in many instances, maybe they don't. And so it's almost easier to forgive someone who has no God than forgive the one who worships your God in the same way on Sundays. And so, brothers and sisters, I know that some of you came here today and you carry hurt. You carry the hurt that Peter had in his mind when he brought it to Jesus and thought, I could only take so much. I can take about seven times. You want to know why else forgiveness is difficult in, in this passage? It's difficult because often the people we're told to forgive haven't repented. And when they don't repent, it seems wrong, doesn't it, to forgive somebody unless they come and say, I'm sorry, I realized I screwed up. It's like what, what happened to me um, in Taipei when I used to drive a car in Taipei. I don't drive a car in Taipei anymore. Um, 
We have the MRT, thank God, and it's really awesome. So you, you don't need to drive a car. But when I used to drive a car and they started getting more strict about the rules, I couldn't do the Taoistic thing anymore. I couldn't just like sort of drive by the flow. OK, so instead I had to drive by the lane. And when I was going around the gra- Grand Hotel, I realized I'm in the wrong lane and I have to turn right. And I do what every Massachusetts driver does. Cut over two lanes to, to get where you need to go. <clears throat> One problem. Here was the policeman and he gets this look on his face and I see his hand and I stop and I'm thinking busted. So he walks over to the car. I roll down the window. He sees it's a foreigner. And you know what happens in that situation. They get nervous. Um, I smile. I pretend like I don't speak any Chinese. Um, (laughs) uh, So many stories, so little time. Um, But. In that particular instance, I did speak Chinese and I said, I am so sorry. I said, it was wrong. I should not have done that. I will never do that again. And the man looked at me and he's like, you know, you did wrong. And I said, yeah. And he's like, go. (laughs) So he forgave me because I owned it. You know, I owned it. It was my fault. I'm sorry. You know, just give me the fine. He didn't give me the fine. He gave me forgiveness. And you know what? It's easy to forgive people when they do that, isn't it? They come to you and they say, I'm sorry. And there seems like there's something natural then about forgiving someone who realizes that they're sorry and they did wrong. And repentance means they don't want to do it again. But in this passage, the issue with forgiveness is not other people's repentance. Jesus says you forgive and you don't just do it seven times. He says you forgive seven times, 70, 490, which is simply a picture of saying you forgive and you forgive and you forgive and you forgive and you forgive. forgive. Why? Because it has absolutely no relationship, people, to what others are doing in their response to you or to God. And forgiveness has all to do with your response to your relationship to God. So what this parable has to teach us and what this story has to teach us is, is that forgiveness and whether or not you find it hard or easy or whether or not you can do it or whether or not you're making excuses, it all has to do with your relationship to God. And as the Beatitude says, if you realize that God has given you mercy, you pass on God's mercy to others because It feels so good to pass on what you've received. I actually enjoy it when people are late. Um, I don't like it when I'm late. I I get all upset just like you do. But I sort of like it when people are late because you can see they're like sweating when they show up. Because the greatest sin in America is being late. So when someone is late, I'm just smiling on the inside because I'm like, I'm going to give them grace. I'm going to give them mercy. This is going to be awesome. You know, they're going to squirm and I'm going to smile and say, don't worry about it. I always have something to do, you know, um, Facebook or something like that. So it gives me an opportunity to say to someone, hey, it's okay, man. I forgive you. It's not an issue. That's what forgiveness and mercy feels like. Awesome when you receive it. Even more awesome to pass it on. I do not want to minimize forgiveness. And we're not talking about people running a red light, cutting a lane, being late. Forgiveness is hard because sometimes the things that people do to you are so terrible that I can't even speak of them. Neither will I speak of them from the pulpit. 
And we experience this in our life. Yesterday, I did what I always do when I wake up. I go to CNN, basically to see if the guy in North Korea has nuked anybody. Um, but I, 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 go to, I, I go to CNN and, and I read the news. And probably half of the news had horrible stories of what people had done to other people. And my heart broke. And I wondered, how will this person forgive the person who raped them? How will that person forgive the doctors that forced them to pull the plug? How will this person forgive the people who allowed the fire code not to be enforced in their building in London? And so many people perished and people lost their their loved ones. And my heart broke because sometimes, brothers and sisters, the people that you have to forgive have done things that not only hurt you, have wounded you, and you'll never get over it in this life. But what I want you to see from this passage is, is that forgiveness does something for you. You know what it does? It brings you into the blessing of God. To be willing to forgive others as God in Christ has forgiven you, puts you right there in the blessing of God. When you can't forgive, it doesn't hurt anybody but you. Do you think the person who hasn't repented is bothered by the fact you haven't forgiven them? You haven't forgiven them? They could care less. Forgiveness is for you. Why? Because God, in his infinite love, has given us Jesus Christ to forgive us and to be the one on the cross that says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And brothers and sisters, if Jesus Christ himself can forgive the people who unrighteously and unjustly put him on the cross so that the perfect one dies for the imperfect and the sinless one dies for the sinful, then can't you as a sinful person who's received the mercy of the Lord pass on the forgiveness to others? I've done a lot of marriage counseling in in my ministry. It's difficult. I I did a counseling session recently, not, not in Boston, but in another place. But something happens, and this parable shows us what happens. You know what happens in this passage? Jesus shows Peter, hmm, let's look at how you think about sin. You're thinking as your sins as being little and this person's sins being bigger. And that is sort of a reason why it is you've got a limit to your forgiveness and you want to put a cap on it, isn't it? Is because when you struggle with forgiveness, you think that what someone else has done to you is worse than what you've done to an almighty, omnipotent, holy God. So so what happens in this passage is, is by using this amazing math comparison between 10 Excuse me, between 100 denarii, four months wages and 200,000 years worth of wages. What is Jesus doing? He's saying, brothers and sisters, forgiveness is made easier when you see that you have the bigger sin. So I'm counseling this couple and I turned to them and I said, look, you're never going to get any better unless you do this. You've got to realize one thing that your spouse's sins against you are not as bad as your sins against your spouse. And as long as you, wife, think that your husband is worse, and as long as you, husband, think that your wife is worse, you guys are never going to get anywhere because the whole way that you're looking about it is wrong. So don't you see the point of the parable? Don't you see the point of the story? Don't you see all it is that Jesus is trying to get us to see today? It's that every single one of you, and me included, are the one with 10,000 talents worth of debt. In the sight of Almighty God. 
And the amazing thing God wants us to grasp today is that he's forgiven it. He's the king of kings, the Lord of lords. The one who's coming back to rule the world in righteousness. And he has the authority. So when Peter comes to him with this stupid idea, he says, no, I say to you. And throughout the Sermon on the Mount, we'll see that Jesus says, you've heard it said, but I say to you, the one who has authority looks at you and says, it doesn't matter what you've done before a perfect and holy God. He forgives you the moment you turn to him in Christ and say, God, forgive me. Do you know that forgiveness today, people? Do you know it? Has it pierced your heart to the point where now forgiveness, although hard, looks hard, but not impossible. Whenever I hear somebody say, I cannot forgive, I cannot forgive. I think, well, you cannot be saved. Because unless you can forgive, Jesus says you can't be saved. And that's the point at the end of the Lord's Prayer. Look at it quickly with me. Just turn to Matthew chapter six. In the Lord's Prayer, and we said it earlier, but you, didn't, you don't see what happens at the end of the Lord's Prayer. <clears throat> Let me hit the button on my tablet and I'll get it up. Give me just a second. <clears throat> In Matthew 6. Here's what Jesus says. Verse 14. For if you forgive men for their transgressions, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men, then your father will not forgive your transgressions. This is not Jesus turning your salvation into a work based upon whether or not you forgive enough. No, this is Jesus just saying that in the kingdom of God, there is this Christian karmic connection between mercy and forgiveness so that we can say until the day when our eyes see his face that those who forgive have been forgiven and those who do not forgive have not been forgiven and will not be forgiven. That's the point. Where are you today? Is it hard? I understand. Is it difficult? Sometimes it seems impossible. But have you received it? If you have the mercy of God, the forgiveness of Christ, the grace of God that cancels your sins, makes you new, gives you new power and a new heart. If you receive that, then go and pass it on to others so that the world that we live in might be renewed by the kingdom disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. May he give us grace. Amen. Let's pray together. <clears throat> Lord, thank you for your amazing forgiveness that our sins are so big and yet your grace is so infinite. Lord, we can't even fathom the debt that we have as we stand in your presence. But today we want to fathom the mercy that you've shown us in your son Jesus when he died for us. Lord, let the cross come into our hearts. Let the grace and the forgiveness you've shown flow from us, through us, to others in need so that they might turn to you. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.